0: The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Grace and peace to you this morning. Um, Thank you for being here on a rainy Lord's Day. But um, that, that rain is good, and it is a blessing, and we're thankful for it. Uh, a few announcements before we begin. Remember that tonight is singing a sandwich night, so keep that in mind. Uh, also, um, please help us get the word out about um, our trunk or treat. Uh, we've been advertising it, hopefully we have um, lots of people from the community. Uh, we also hope that we'll have many people here from the church to show up and to decorate their cars, and it'll be a, a wonderful time on Saturday, um, so we're looking forward to that. I usually... Um, don't make any endorsements or anything from the pulpit, but this morning I am wearing my Oklahoma State tie, um, would um, ask that you keep that uh, community in your prayers. Um, multiple people were affected yesterday by a, by a crash during the homecoming parade. Uh, four people have lost their lives. There's still 17 people in the hospital. Uh, some of those people include members of the church. And so um, please keep them in your prayers in the coming days and weeks. Uh, We're in a study of the book of Acts. And so this morning we want to turn our attention to Acts chapter 9. And I'll begin reading the first nine verses. You can follow along in your Bible or it's up on the screen for you. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women... The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Uh, The opening lines of the Rolling Stones song, Saint of Me... Retell this famous story from the book of Acts. Mick Jagger sings, St. Paul the Persecutor was a cruel and sinful man. Jesus hit him with a blinding light, and then his life began. In four, four short lines, one of the biggest rock and roll groups in history, recall this story of conversion. It is a profound account that has influenced many people over the years. It has been mentioned in numerous books, Uh, Movies, songs, television shows, um, and including the, the song that you see on the screen right now. There are many conversion stories that we find in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So why does this one in Acts chapter 9 stand out? Why do so many people relate to this story of conversion? And one of the reasons could be the drastic shift that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul. So, as the story begins, Luke tells us that Paul was breathing threats and murder against the disciples. At the end of Acts chapter 7, we learn that Paul was an accomplice to murder. That Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons, a, a devout man full of the Holy Spirit, was stoned to death by an angry mob, and Paul... Was present. And that taste for murder that he got on that day only encouraged him. And so Acts 9 begins with Paul looking to continue his murderous behavior. And so Paul is not your ordinary average sinner, he is a murderer, and he has no intent of changing that. Uh, In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, he describes himself as the worst of sinners. And so Paul's conversion is not like others. He is persecuting the church. He is killing Christians. He is fighting against everything that God is doing. And all of a sudden, he's struck by this light, and he comes to realize what he has done. He sort of has this awakening. And I think a lot of us look at this story and we think, well, you know what? I haven't done anything as bad as Paul, so surely I can get into heaven. And we can use this story as a way to comfort ourselves. And we continually compare ourselves to others. And so we like this story about Paul because He tells us that there's no sinner worse than him. And we have this false idea that salvation is simply about being better than my neighbor or being better than my coworker or maybe even being better than Paul. We pick someone out who is not doing as good as we are and we compare our lives to theirs and we think that we're safe. We think that we're okay because we're not the worst. There are others who've messed up more than we have. But the reality is that we're never called to compare ourselves to our neighbors or compare ourselves uh, to our friends or even to compare ourselves to Paul. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're only to compare ourselves to one individual, and that is Jesus. And when we put ourselves up against Jesus... We always fall short. We're not saved because we're better than someone else. We're saved by the grace of God. Well, maybe you don't focus on the sins of your past. Maybe you've lived a pretty good life up to this point, And some of us can do the same thing, but from a completely different perspective. We may boast in the things that we uh, have not done. We may say, well, you know what? I've never done this or that. I've never taken a drink of alcohol or I've never said a bad word or whatever it is. And if we're not careful, we can think that we're going to be saved because of what we have done. We can fool ourselves into thinking that we have lived such a good life. That God has no choice but to save us. Well, Paul has this great conversion. He turns his life around. It's kind of like that one guy that you knew back in high school who was making all the wrong choices, and you knew that this guy was never going to make it. He was never going to go anywhere in his life. And you go back for your 10-year reunion, and he's the most successful person in the room. You know, Paul's life looks completely different after his conversion. It's like an addition of extreme home makeover. The, The transformation is unrecognizable. And so it would have been easy for Paul to have boasted in himself. It would have been easy for him to have said, look what I did. My life was a mess and I turned it around. He could have done that. But he doesn't. Paul, nowhere in his writings, nowhere in his letters, does he take credit for this transformation. Instead, what he says are things like this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul always gives all the credit to God. Because he understands that his salvation is because of the grace of God. He cannot boast in anything that he's done. So the only thing he can do is give God all the credit. The conversion of Paul teaches us that God alone deserves the glory for the And so without God, we're lost. We desperately need God. And this story reminds us of that. This story is important for another reason. When Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he is blinded. And this is a famous part of the story. Uh, There's been been many references to this uh, throughout history. But as we dig deeper, we discover that Paul was already blind. Now, he was not literally blind. He could see things with his eyes. But he was blinded to what was going on in his life. Paul was passionate. He was zealous. Uh, He he thought that he was doing everything right. He he thought that he had a pretty good life. Um, You know, he thought he was being pleasing to God. But he had no idea what was really going on. He had no idea what he was really doing. And it's very likely that he would have went right on doing what he was doing if God had not intervened it's essential that we pay attention to this part of the story because there is probably something in each of our lives that we're blinded to. You know, don't look to your neighbor, look to yourself. There's probably something in every one of our lives that we're blinded to, that we cannot see. It's easy to point out the fault in other people's lives. We see it clearly, we identify it, we talk about it. In fact, we sometimes like talking about what everyone else is doing wrong. It kind of builds us up, makes us feel good, you know. And Jesus perfectly understood this problem. He he perfectly understood this mentality. Uh, and, And he addresses it several times. One of those times is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Where he tells everyone, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so like Paul, we have a problem seeing our own shortcomings. And this is just part of the human condition. We're all guilty of it. We we all do it. Um, We do it in different ways. We do it with groups. You know, we think that our political party is always right. They're, they're perfect. They don't do anything wrong. But the other side, they're, they're evil. They're wrong. They always mess up. We think that our football team, you know, they, they play by the rules. But the other team, they're a bunch of cheaters, you know. We think our state is better than other state, and on and on and on it goes. And we do it as individuals. We see ourselves as the good guy. We maximize the sins of others while minimizing or maybe even dismissing our own sins. You know, we like to talk about abortion and homosexuality. But greed and gluttony, that hits a little too close to home. And all humans do this. And this is why here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus commands us to look inward before we ever look outward. A church that always looks outward and never looks inward is not following Jesus. Jesus. We're commanded to look at ourselves first. There are several reasons for this, but but one is that we can our entire life complaining about the world. And never change it one bit. You know, you may not like the, the direction the world is heading. You may not like your neighbor. You may not like your boss. But complaining about it is not going to change anything. We don't have control over other people. We cannot force them to change. But we do have control over ourselves. And with God's help, we can change the path that we're on. And we can work on our behavior. And we have control over our attitude. And we can change our actions. And when we work on becoming a better person... Then, and only then, will we have a positive effect on the people around us. We're never going to influence anyone for good unless we first focus on ourselves. Uh, Because this is the formula that Jesus gives us. This is what he tells us to do. And so Paul was struck by a blinding light. And then his life began. God is probably not going to show up on our way to work and and strike us blind. But there are other ways that we can encounter God and have our lives changed forever. As we read Scripture, it is important that we ask ourselves how does this apply to me? What is God saying to me through His Word? What is He saying to me in this passage? You know, there are all kinds of ways to read the Bible. It's possible to read the Bible and never apply it to ourselves, to never hear God speaking to us. And this is an abuse of Scripture. If we do not allow God's Word to speak to us, then we're not handling that Word properly. God's Word is living and active, the writer of Hebrews tells us. It's able to work in our lives. It's able to reveal things about ourselves that we might have missed. And this is why it's important that we let Scripture speak to us. That we let God speak to us through His Word. And we also need to take the time to slow down and to reflect on our lives. Throughout Scripture, um, God encourages His people to rest In fact, he sometimes commands it. The Bible begins in Genesis 1 and 2 by giving us this example of God resting on the seventh day. You have all kinds of laws about the Sabbath. Why? This is because if we don't ever take time to stop, then we'll never recognize these destructive patterns in our lives. And so rest is not just important for re-energizing ourselves... It is essential to our spiritual lives. We need moments where we can stop and where we can examine. We need times of reflection where we contemplate our role in God's story. This is what God does with Paul on the road to Damascus. God forced Paul to stop. He blinded him. And Paul had no choice but to take a break and to think about his life. When was the last time that you spent a day or spent a weekend reading Scripture, praying, and just thinking about your life? We need to make times like these in our lives. We need to carve out times for this. This is what Jesus did. He would, uh, several times in the Gospels, he would go away from everyone. He would spend time alone. He would rest and he would pray. And if you've not done that lately, or maybe you've never done it, now is the time to start planning a day or a couple days of rest. Combined with uh, reflection and meditation. You know, don't answer your phone, don't check your email, don't get on Facebook. Get away from everything and reflect on your life and reflect on the things of God. And I know that seems like a lot. We're, we're so busy nowadays. But if you do that, I guarantee that you'll not regret it. And that you'll be richly blessed by your time with God. We know some things about Paul's prior life um, uh, the time before what we read about here in Acts chapter 9. We know that he was a Pharisee. Um, we know that he studied hard uh, under a famous Jewish rabbi. Uh, before this account, Paul labored to create a certain life. He spent a lot of time and energy building something that he come to find out really didn't matter. So, Paul was a grown man traveling down the road to Damascus, and this is where his life really begins. His old self was crucified, and he begins to live for Jesus. And our lives are not much different. We all, at uh, various times, give ourselves to things that really don't matter, things that will not last. We expound a lot of energy, building resumes and and fortunes that are not going to be here forever. And even after we have encountered Christ, we are tempted to return to the world and keep on working and building. And what is so amazing, as well as challenging, about this conversion story before us this morning is that it is an invitation to leave everything and to follow Jesus. In the Gospels, we find this invitation. Jesus invites us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. And Paul takes this invitation seriously. And he does exactly that. He wakes up to the areas of his life that he has wasted. And he gives everything to Christ. What do you need to leave behind this morning? What area of your life do you need God to step into and change? How can you begin to follow Jesus like you've never done before? Let's not be content where we're at. Let's give everything to God and allow him to fully rule over our lives. Let's be like Paul and deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. So won't you do that now as we stand as we sing?